Hello and welcome to Movement, the weekly podcast for South Aussie Baptists to listen and imagine together. Each fortnight, we interview a leader from within our movement and then ask them to share one of their recent sermons with us the following week. Welcome back to Movement. Today I have the opportunity to sit down with Reverend Mike Bartlett. Mike is the Ministry Accreditation Facilitator here on our team. He's just been here in the last few roles. He's a pastor, father of three, and he also happens to be the chaplain for a particular football team in Adelaide that what half our listeners would probably cheer loudly for and some might get offside if we tell them which one. Probably more than half. Yeah, yeah. you've got the majority on your yeah. side. It's that one. <laughs> it's the red, blue and yellow. Uh, so it's great to have you here, Mike. Looking forward to ha- having a chat. Uh, we're asking the question I ask everybody as they sit in that chair is, can you tell us a bit about the passions and the experiences that kind of shape and form you and have brought you to where you are today? Yeah, that, I mean, that's a good question to kick things off with. And, um, you know, the, the answer for me would be, well, actually, I, I use a bit of pop culture mm-hmm. to answer that question because at some stage over the last yeah, probably most people have sat down and watched Hamilton, either on Disney have. or they've been lucky enough to go and see it, which includes that. my wife. <laughs> anyway, have you seen it? I was supposed to be there two weeks ago. Oh, two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, moving along. <laughs> so I, you have seen it, obviously. I've seen it on Disney Plus, yeah. but I didn't actually get the yeah. fly, got cancelled. So. Yeah, and, um, you know, there's this great song in it, which is one of the quieter songs, called It's Quiet Uptown, right? right? Yeah. You know that song? In In that song, uh, whoever the Eliza, Alexander's wife, and she Eliza, said, yeah. it's Eliza, isn't it? Mm. And she says, there's a there's a grace too powerful to name. Oh, okay. Yeah. That line, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and for me, the encounter of the person of Christ mm-hmm. has a name. Right. And that sounds a bit cliched, but it's that sense of coming into contact with the truly other mm-hmm. that is Jesus and the all-encompassing nature of his love that, mm-hmm. yeah, drives a life of service for him, mm-hmm. back to him, for me, yeah. which is why I'm sitting here. Yeah. 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 So how, how does that come about? How do you, know, how do you have that, that profound experience or encounter? What does it look like? Oh, yeah, well, it's a gift because grace is a gift, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And, and so I think that when you say how does that come about, um, the <laughs> the reality is that my encounter of that is going to be different to everybody else's, and I guess there, yeah, there there were just probably some. Well, no, there were not probably there were there were three moments in my life at I guess you know key stages of growing up where I had an encounter with what I would look back on as 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 the person of. Jesus expressed in the Holy Spirit that I that I genuinely experienced as I don't know how to equate this because it's a, a collective of experiences rather than a single moment of yeah. conversion, yeah. right? And and I think that for me it was like an experience of like like I just said of of being ambushed almost yeah. like grace is. The courage to accept acceptance, mm-hmm. I guess, or something like that, right? It's just, um, yeah, of, of like the knowledge that you're okay mm-hmm. and you're always going to be okay mm-hmm. and that because of that, you're actually not just okay, you are loved beyond belief and beyond expression, beyond articulation. You're one of God's best ideas. Mm-hmm. 
Right? Well, I really mean that. Yeah. I, I just, I, I really, like, which is, which is the narrative of family, of, of, of belonging, of, of actually feeling truly parented, I guess, you know? And so I guess, like, without going into the particulars of each one, um, along the way, yeah, there were moments that at the times where I had least expected it, as a six-year-old and then as a, and then as a teenager, where I just, like, yeah, the, the context didn't always relate to the experience, but I guess, you know, I did have the experience of being raised by Christian parents, and so it was within the narrative of that story that I, that I found myself having these experiences, so, yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people can relate to that, that, you know, sometimes we imagine that there's this one dramatic moment, yeah. but it's it's not that. It's this yeah. lifetime of, of encounters. Yeah. Yeah. A lifetime of dramatic moments. <laughs> it's a good name for a book. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> get a few out of these, Yeah. And so then how do you get from there, that kind of, okay, encounter Jesus, I'm loved, I'm part of the family, mm. to I'm going to be a pastor, be <laughs> what, what drives that? Is it something that you... Kind of, you know, it was part of your desires. That was that unexpected? Were you ambushed into that? Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a great question. And I and I think that the the thing was was that I was fortunate enough to, particularly around the time when you know I was finishing high school and thinking about the future, and there was, you know, a collective. Um, movement within our movement but but especially strong historical sort of expression of belonging to a movement of youth ministry at that time right. that existed across some of our churches yeah. right and and they were expressed in the end probably not dissimilar today i'm just not a teenager so i don't know that much about yeah. it in the same way but uh, but i just mean I like you know i think we had some we had some leaders in that day and age that were particularly passionate about youth ministry because they recognized that it was in those years that people have these encounters that are potentially so powerful that they, they shape your life in one way or another. And, um, and my youth pastor during those years, Scott Hawkins at Allgate Baptist Church and colleagues of his like Mark Wilkerson at, at Clovercrest and Brendan Handel at Tutra Gully, they, they just made a compelling case for those of us who were in our late teenage years to take seriously the reality that the effect of God's grace had on our lives and to consider serving Christ through vocational ministry as pastors as a legitimate, um, meaningful, exciting adventurous expression of who we were and it wasn't it wasn't at the expense of any other professional vocation but it was just there as a yeah this would be this is a good thing to do you know and and you know it's I probably didn't even realize it at the time how much I actually really looked up to Scott for example as a mentor and and a leader and someone that yeah really gave the life of vocational ministry of, of service in as a as a pastor like real meat on the bones i guess yeah. as an idea to pursue yeah. and of course it took take took different shapes for me over the years but um that was that was how that took place in those years yeah yeah, yeah. so what about what what drives you like what are you passionate about what are the things that really get you up in the morning and get you fired up huh um, well, 
That's a really general question. It is. It's very yeah, it's super broad. I mean, life. I, life is good to live, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, to me, like you know, it, it's a it's a, a particular wonder to me that there's that. I, I don't know. We were you and I were just talking before we hit record about some of the mysteries associated with the text in Genesis. You know. Yeah. But I, but I often think about that. You know, you wake up and there's a day to live yeah. and there's people to live that day with. There's something. There's some, not just something. There's something extraordinary that you are in the midst of that you are you didn't have a say in coming into contact with and yet it's there for you to interact with. And it's, it's amazing to me that there's anything mm. and not nothing. Yeah. Like what a bizarre thing this life is, right? And then you have the gift of the people that you live with in terms of, for me, you know, being married and, and raising three kids, which is, you know, the place of first and primary expression of service, I, I guess. You know, these are the people that I, you know, my life is first and foremost about, right? But then, I, you know, I, I think that there is just such, such incredible wonder in the world that it's worth thinking about and exploring and investigating and being just genuinely curious about, you know, what it is that we're here for and, and what it is that we're here to do, you know, how it is that we're here to live. And, and so when I think about what, what gets me up in the morning, um, uh, it's the, the beauty of everything that has been gifted to me as part of life, I think. The opportunity to serve God in the different places that he takes me continues to take me as far as places to work but I also just think that you know what gets me up in the morning is a sense of just genuine curiosity and adventure and fun um, yeah. if things aren't funny <laughs> to me <laughs> Yeah. That, I, I have troubled being too serious for too long. Yeah. yeah um, I love that you used the word wonder and that was what I was thinking of. Yeah. That's what I see in you, yeah, and that's what I'm hearing from you. This, it's not something we talk about very often, this idea of wonder, of just like genuine curiosity and amazement and delight in existence in the world, in life, yeah. in God, in, in people. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think maybe that comes from, you know, a background uh, – as a teacher and as a youth pastor is just when you look at kids and you look at the way they interact with the world, there's, there's, a, there's so much less filter, especially yeah. in young children, yeah. right, in terms of yeah, their first encounter of a particular idea or a drawing or a pattern or just discovery. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I think that that's actually part of what it means to be a Christian is to see the world anew, mm-hmm. yeah. right? And, and to not get stuck into routines and, and habits and pathways that are just repetitive for the sake of repetition. Don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with good habits, right, and good yeah. practices. But I just mean, I think we, we, we sometimes lose our sense of adventure. Yeah, well, I yeah. think about Jesus saying being like a little child. And, yeah. You know, yeah, that idea of being born again even is about starting anew and yeah. Yeah, being amazed. And, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, life life is is worth living mm-hmm. in spite of the wildness and the terror and the difficulty associated with it. And it is all of those things yeah. too. But but my conclusion at 42 is it's worth being around for. Well, yeah. you know, you're at the age that's the uh, meaning of life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. <laughs> that's how it works. Yeah, yeah, apparently. <laughs> 
So what does all that look like in terms of um, where you find yourself now? So you found yourself in this new role. What yeah. Is, you know, what, what's driving you or what are you wondering about? What are you thinking about as you step into that? Yeah. Um, I, I guess that like probably a lot of pastors, um, I, I just finished up before taking a role here. We're uh, just shy of nine years as a pastor at King's Baptist Church. And like a lot of pastors, I, I, you know, life was pretty hyper-focused for me as far as uh, not only did I just live down the road, but I, like, you know, the church that I was pastor of and its association with its school and the development that we were working on together, especially over the last five years, it was just like all in sort mm-hmm. of thing, right? And so I've really appreciated the opportunity to uh, just um, see the way that God is at work amongst other communities and the fact that there, there is just so, it, one of the beautiful gifts of our movement is there is so not one size fits all <laughs> yeah. in terms of expressions of what a faith community looks like, nor the leaders that serve those mm-hmm. communities. and. So what I'm learning in this role as a facilitator for accreditation is that it takes all kinds and and I'm enjoying getting to know those that are at various aspects of that, various um, stages of that journey. And um, yeah, I... I'm 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 lost the question there for a second, which no, is not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what am I learning? I'm learning that I've got a lot to learn at the moment. Yeah, yeah like it's like, just, just yeah, three months is about to tick along, right. and um, and I'm just it's just you know how it is that when you change settings in a significant way, you've just got a whole lot of new relationships to build, and and relationships are like fundamentally are the key to. I was going to say ministry, but life. <laughs> and and yet, you know, the, the truth is, is that you can't substitute the most necessary ingredient in relationships um, in any way, which is time, mm-hmm. right? And so it's just a matter of allowing those those relationships to develop and take place and sort of see where God is at work um, in the lives of people. And, and so I guess, like, like, the truth of the matter is is that um, I was just saying this to somebody who I was just having coffee with today. Like, there's there's huge elements of this role in facilitating accreditation that, that has parallels as a local church pastor. Because, you know, the big shapes of attention to Scripture and prayer and the work of God in people's lives is the same. That's yeah. the same. Same, same, but different, yeah. as they say in Asia, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and I think that, that that shape of ministry, as I had the, the, the privilege to have developed in education and training, mm-hmm. is what I really enjoy now yeah, like not passing on, but but facilitating. Yeah, yeah. that's the best word for it. Yeah, yeah that's great. <laughs> yeah. That's good. yeah, yeah. So your part of your role is kind of journeying with people, like you said, at different stages. It might mm. be people who are you know, been in ministry for a while and looking to be accredited, but it might be people who are just thinking about going into ministry. And obviously, you know, people listening to us today might be volunteers and you know leaders, youth leaders, people involved in different kinds of ways in their in their church. So. What do you kind of hope that they would hear from you and what are the kind of things you'd say um, to people who are maybe back where you were when they just got a great mentor like Scott, <laughs> you know, <laughs> someone who's just modelling it but they haven't really thought about it from themselves? Yeah, it's such a good question. 
but but I I I mean I'm sure there are I'm sure there are other vocations yeah. that give you the capacity to investigate the nature of reality because there are lots of people who do lots of things. <laughs> but you have to dig a well somewhere in your life, right? And so I think that if you choose to dig that well in ministry, when you have the 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 incredible privilege and blessing to investigate and read the story of God and this uh, I was about to quote a book title and then I didn't want to do that but I could a friend of mine wrote a book called the story of God and the story of us and um and I guess that that that's the you know I think we're all trying to make sense of our lives and the way that we do that is through the mechanism of story, right? right? Yeah. Is narrative that 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 makes sense, and mm-hmm. we're all telling ourselves all the time a story about the world and our place in it. And what I would say to people who are thinking about the 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 possibility of of serving God by working in a local church is that it, it is. I, I actually want to choose my words carefully here. It's wonderful mm-hmm. and it's interesting mm-hmm. and you are endlessly learning and like, a but no, 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 it's no. not a but right. and yeah. it yeah. also has all of the things that are part of any other life. It yeah. also has moments of real grit needed and hard work and showing up when you don't feel like it and conversation after conversation uh, meeting after meeting, no, meeting is a bad word because it just sounds like business. And and I, I just mean is in that a community of faith is formed by people's loving God and loving one another, but loving God and loving one another in particular contexts actually takes a great deal of determination and creativity and emotional energy. And I think it's just as compelling as it has ever been to want to serve God in those places, but it's not for the faint of heart either. That's what I would say. It just it takes real determination, and you know we have, we talk about um, in the process of determining a call of a pastor to a particular community to serve that community is there has to be a real genuine sense of call there. It has to be. It's not just a good idea, a yeah. good skill set, but it's got to be like no, I'm, there's something other than that here. You yeah. know. And, and I think that that's necessary. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I do think it gives you, I, I guess, yeah, you, you, you can only answer these things from your own point of view. And I, I guess that I don't know another field that, that gives you the possibility to be as curious and investigate the nature of reality and to articulate it from your point of view than being a pastor. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There you go. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Brings together what you were talking about before, what yeah. you're passionate about, what you're all yeah. experiencing. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, well, I hope that that, um, you know, inspires some people because I, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. Like, it's it's not that we're saying everyone should go and become a pastor. No. So it needs to be a call of God. But it's also not that you just assume that you sit back and if God's going to call, he'll call someone. And it's yeah. It's worth considering. It's worth yeah. investigating, asking the yeah. question. Yeah. You know, I think that the last year, 18 months, ever since the the pandemic has hit, you know, as much as in any other time that I can remember, like there's a collective sense of what is this life? What's it all about? What's my role in it? Like it's a wonderful opportunity whether you're at, you know, in your teenage years or at the midway point of life saying, yeah, what, what is that and what is 
what's my res- response to God? And, mm. and I don't think that's unique to pastors. No. Like, I, I think that everybody actually has that element of personal responsibility to consider, you know, what, what's my role to play here? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think maybe sometimes the fact that of considering ministry and what it might look like, um, it might be that the answer comes back, no, actually, my ministry is, you know, to be... Mm. I don't know, I'm to think of a job that doesn't sound cliche, but, you know, to, to do the thing that I'm gifted and passionate about and the opportunity I've got, but to do it in a way that is responsive to God, that is mm. curious, that is engaging with the big questions of mm. life. So, yeah, mm. definitely putting the question on the table can never be a bad thing. No. Yeah. So I want to go back to something that you said um, that I really loved when you talked about that living in community, you know, loving God and loving people is grounded in the context, like it has to take place in a real situation with, you know, people's lives. And then you also mentioned the pandemic. That's kind of a real time and situation we find ourselves in. Um, so, yeah, I think, like, it's we've been talking a bit maybe about big ideas and kind of questions of life and existence. We bring it down to the current context we find ourselves in. Is there a particular challenge or um, opportunity that you're seeing out of what where we find ourselves right now? Yeah. Oh, I mean, a, a particular challenge is this, this uh, phenomena that I'm sure some academic is already studying somewhere. And I'm sure they are in terms of what what is it that... Because what, what we've discovered on one hand is the amazing amount of life that can be done over the internet, right? Absolutely. There's yeah. no question about that. Like, and, and that, so that has been seized as an opportunity. And, 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 you know, an indicator of that reality would be the fact that I heard yesterday that Apple stocks, for example, have gone through the roof. Right. They've had their highest quarterly return ever, yeah, right? So given right? a reliance on technology yeah. throughout the pandemic, mm-hmm. and there's no question that what's available to us right now, it is is unthinkable even in recent history, yeah. right? So like when I got married 20 years ago and Rochelle's Canadian and I was living in Canada, to talk on the phone to my parents yeah. was 50 cents a minute, wow. right? So a 20-minute phone conversation cost 10 bucks. Yeah. And, and you know, now we take Zoom meetings in real time across yeah. the world as normal, Yeah. which is incredible. Yeah. It's just amazing what just human beings are, are yeah. capable of. Like, like it's real sort of, again, to parallel it with Genesis, like it's real Tower of Babel sort of stuff. Yeah. Like, not, like you know when God says nothing will be impossible for them. Yeah. Like the internet is yeah. yeah, an expression of that. But what I'm interested in, though, and this is where I think the local church has something to think about significantly, is, is given how much everybody has sort of had activated in terms of oh, what, what's accessible to me online as far as, you know, some of what churches do, yeah. i.e., teaching right and and even for some people like worship they find that their engagement over a screen has been okay for them and i mean that in the limited way that i refer to worship as being singing there and that's not what i understand worship to be but that's a whole other discussion but but what what i'm interested in is is what what doesn't happen over screens like what what doesn't happen what can't happen over screens in terms of all of the things that we can pick up from relating to one another in person. And and I think there's something really, uh, really significant about that. And I, I, I don't understand it all. I don't understand what actually is taking place between two people in a room that are talking yeah. to one another, but mm-hmm. something is taking place yeah. there. There's some exchange of energy that is because one of the things that you hear over and over again from people 
particularly from my kids who are doing school online a couple of days yeah. this week, it's just they like they come away from their screens. I'm sure you've had the same experience. They're like, I just feel so tired. Yeah. I feel so tired. And like, like to me, two hours on a screen feels like eight hours of a work day. Yeah. Right? Like that's how I feel. And so, yeah, I, I think again, I, I I'm I'm one I'm thinking out loud here yeah. because I'm I'm genuinely like I think the church has a community of people who are trying to love God and love other people as best they can. When they can't actually be with other people, that's an mm. obvious challenge. Yeah. So what does it mean to be with people as best we can in the midst of a pandemic? Well, that's probably got its different expressions that are related to the level of restrictions yeah. that we are <laughs> that we are living with. But you know, I I shared with you before the mic went on about Genesis and like my reflections on that. But another scripture of particular reflection for me was from that's a really fascinating one. And uh, like it was from First John, mm-hmm. and I think it's 318. Okay. And it says, let us, and he says, let us not love one another yeah. with words, mm. but with truth and in action or with action in truth, deeds, or action yeah. and deeds. Like, yeah. like it's not a new idea mm. that God is what you do, mm. if that. You follow me there? I, yeah, I think yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I think for me it or, resonates. Sorry, I'm going to try interrupt. Yeah, no, that's thought, okay. Like it does. It makes me think about things like the whole idea of creation. You know, God creates us physically, and then the whole idea of incarnation. You know, that Jesus comes and is is present with us. Is that you know that kind of idea that it has to take place? It has to have hands and feet. It has to have legs on it. It's not an abstract idea. Is that what you? taking on a different train of thought. No, I, I think you're on the right train of thought. But what I'm trying to say is, is that like that verse in particular yeah. encapsulates the reality that our faith is yeah. not a private salvation project. Right. Our yeah. faith is actually an expression of the reality that something has intersected the story, the history mm-hmm. of our lives to the degree that everything that is part of our lives mm-hmm. And I think this is what discipleship is about, yeah. is actually therefore takes on new portent, new um, substance in terms of we don't therefore just think about going and like any anything, not just our vocations, but like, but like if, you know, if, if, if we regard not just you and I and, and Jenny and Benito out the door here, but the person from which we're going to buy petrol. Yeah as containing the divine image of God, then the way that we relate to them will be different than if we didn't, right? So it's the way that we relate to people. It's the way that we consider the impact of our finances, of the ongoing use of time and the way that we do or don't spend that time, you know? I think about this, you know, there's endless theological lessons and I'm, I'm not preaching every week these days, so I'm putting a lot of these in the bank. But, <laughs> you know, it's not like just teenagers are guilty of this. I'm, I'm guilty of it at times too. But, you know, the, this propensity sometimes of my kids just, I, I spot them mindlessly scrolling, right? right? Facebook. Yeah. No, they're not on Facebook. That's, yeah, that's, for, old, that's for old people. Yeah. <laughs> they're on Instagram and, and but just... 
you know, like literally, I said, I said to my daughter, I said, "Are you just, are you, are you happy right now?" And she goes, "No, I, thanks. Take it away." And that that actually happened. Yeah. Take my phone away the other day, and and I, so I, I just think sometimes like there's not, and 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 you know, the the, the caveat to this is, but I don't want to become so, I don't want to be perceived as being heavy-handed or rigid about this i'm just so that we're nervous or anxious about what are we doing all the time in service to god i think god wants us to relax to be honest with you more than anything else to rest in him but i think he also wants us to think seriously with good humor (laughs) about about every part of our life and how we bring that all into a cohesive whole rather than segmented boxes which i which i think yeah, Western evangelicalism has sometimes at its worst been expressed as, you know? Yeah. How's that? Yeah, there's lots, it's lots plenty of profound to ponder and uh, wonder in that. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if that answered the question that uh, you asked. It, just, it doesn't really matter if you answered the question. I'm, yeah. happy, <laughs> chat, so I'm, I'm happy with that. I, I just think um, it's, it's really interesting to me that, like, I... I that, like that text in particular, because you know, like it, and and I, to be honest with you, I haven't done any. I have not done an in-depth sort of study of First John. Right. I haven't. I don't think I've preached it in recent memory at all. I haven't. So I, I you know, I, my mind goes to what was going on to the people that John was writing to, and why would he say, "Let us not love with yeah. words," and you know, because yeah. were they fond of using big words <laughs> and not following through with action and. But but on the flip side too, like have just yeah, I come across this idea of of you know like that you know that it's that it's our actions more than our words that actually demonstrate our belief, mm-hmm. and that's going back to earlier about why theology is so compelling. Yeah, is because it's okay. Yes, we're asking and investigating and thinking about what we believe, but what's more interesting is the way that it's expressed. Yes, right. Yeah, to me. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and. Tim Winton um, is one of my favourite authors, probably my favourite Australian author, and in one of his most recent books, there's a, there's a character in it who is a defrocked priest. Okay. And what's interesting is that you never find out exactly why he was right. defrocked, which, which is given the stories of the last mm-hmm. four, five, year, 20, 40 years, whatever, it makes the whole book a bit uncomfortable. <laughs> but it, it's him at the end of the book that says, I, you know, he obviously is, he's been defrocked, but he's also part of the, the book is an exploration of his own crisis of faith and his understanding of God. And he is the one that uses those words. I think God is what you do, which is really interesting. And it's stuck with me as yeah. well. And, yeah, I was thinking about it again in light of that scripture from First John. But also, you know, there's that stunning sort of passage at the start of First Corinthians where you know, Paul is addressing the fact that some of you follow Paul, some yeah. of you follow Apollos, some right. of you, but, and then he goes on that rant and he says, for all things are yours, whether life or death or, and you are a Christ and Christ is of God. And, and it's this, this, this idea that, that, that all truth is God's truth, mm-hmm. regardless of where you find it. Mm-hmm. And that truth can be encountered, discovered, enjoyed, investigated, thought about, made fun of in every corner of reality, I think. Yeah. It's it's interesting. I like, you know, there's that like it's one of it's like I think it's an expression my grandpa 
used to use, like if he was trying to, and usually when he was trying to pull the wool over my eyes, he'd say, I swear, God's truth, you know? Right, yeah. Do you know that old, it's it's a bit slightly older person's expression, God's truth? But I did get to thinking, like, is there any other kind? Mm. Anyway, there's just some thoughts yeah, about that. Yeah, no, you've given people lots of th- to think about. And I think I love that you're a thinker, but also like I'm saying the whole point of the thinking is how it's lived out. Yeah. So I think sometimes people hear the word theology and they think, oh, people just sitting around thinking abstract thoughts. Yeah. Um, by everything you, you're saying, it's that it's this grounded, relational, lived out, you know, loving community. It's not theology if it doesn't have that. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. and I think it's partly to do with the the like yeah, referring to what you just said that the like even even loving God and loving people because of the that that English word is a blunt instrument, right? Yeah, right, because it inevitably conjures up feelings of romance or 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 nostalgia or romance or or, and 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 love. Particularly agape love yeah, is hard work, love. right? Yeah. It's, that's hard work. Loving people who might not appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, might drive you crazy. Who, who might or might not love you back. Yeah. You know, love is a risk in its expression. And and I, I really think there's, you know, but that's kind of what makes it so awesome as well. Yeah, I don't know that I've got more to say on that one, but it's certainly what I've been thinking about lately. Yeah. Okay, Mike, I want to kind of bring this together, I guess. We've been talking about your own sort of life experience and then your role now and, and then some of, you know, what we've just talked about in terms of theology and loving people. We talked a bit about this idea of ministry and obviously that's part of your job title, ministry. Yeah, that's ministry pretty, accreditation. Yeah. It's a pretty big and ambiguous word. Yeah. used in lots of different ways. What is for you, what's the heart of it? What are we talking about when we yeah. talk about ministry? Yeah, great question. And, and I think there's something interesting to think about the fact that we use that word a lot. And when I ask you, what other spheres of society use that word a lot? What would you think immediately? Oh, politics. Politics, right. Yeah. And so we would probably concur with those in politics that if you're a minister or you have oversight or work within a ministry, you're serving people, mm-hmm. right? I think one of the issues that we have in churches is that we often, and we're probably guilty of this here, but it's a, it's a helpful word here in terms of expressing the unique reality that we train people for church work and we call that ministry. Yeah. But I think what we would actually find if we press into our collective theology of ministry is that everybody, regardless of their vocation, whether they are a, a, a homemaker or um, a, an administrative assistant or a cleaner or a truck driver or a, if they if people are followers of Jesus then they're necessarily in ministry yeah. right and so then if we are all in ministry so I think we should first and foremost we, we, we should be cognizant and careful of the way that we use that yeah. word and not, not to get too hung up on semantics or worry about the grammar police but but we that's the way I understand it, first and foremost. But then second of all to that is the fact that good ministry, therefore, to me, in terms of the way, the prime, primary way that we serve other people in love is to pay attention to the person in front of you. And that, that comes by virtue of the fact that sometimes I think, and this is where I would come back to both the, the wonder and the delight of serving as pastors, but also the grind and the routine of it sometimes. The, yeah. the, you know, one of my teachers said, yeah, you know, half the time pastoral ministry is actually more like 
mucking out horse sheds than delivering the word of God, right? Because there's lots of life that is similar for people in their experience of it, you know, struggles in relationships, getting their finances together, knowing what to do with their life. And and our our, our, our job in the realm of pastoral ministry is actually creating a space where we can sit with people and hopefully try and discern the work of God in their life. And so ministry actually looks like paying attention to the uniqueness of the person that's in front of you. And if we stop and think for the moment, for a little moment about the fact that that person is just this absolutely unique expression of God himself, like just a moment's reflection on that actually will take your breath away. And that person, you right here, like who Melinda is and what have created this person to be and their role, not just in the movement, but in the world in general is like, that's where to me, People are endlessly interesting. Mm. So because as much as there are elements of similarities that take place in the context of our lives and what we do with them and this, the, the common experience of human suffering and struggle, there's also this reality that, and, and it's so interesting, right, because we, we've got things like the Myers-Briggs test and, and the Enneagram and things that we try to, to understand generalities and those are true and they're helpful and and sometimes worthwhile studying but on the same token everything is every person is unique yeah i I feel like sometimes i i sometimes i feel like i use preaching illustrations so much over a decade or close to a decade at kings i worry that okay people have heard this again but no people (laughs) people haven't been listening to me (laughs) so but you know like the it, this has some particular poignancy at the moment as an illustration because everybody during last year watched this Netflix documentary called The Last Dance, which was the story of... No, you haven't seen yeah, it. Yeah, most people. Most people. Almost you, everybody. Well, it's a, I'm an exception. Sorry. <laughs> that's okay. So it, it, was a, it was a cool documentary series about... I'm familiar with it. Yeah? Yeah, just didn't say it. So, you know, the, the Chicago Bulls in the Michael Jordan era and the fact that Phil Jackson who was their coach, was a truly unique coach because they didn't, people didn't understand both during that time and also later as well when he actually coached the Lakers that had Shaq and Kobe and and a whole bunch of other stars too. It's how do you blend these egos together? Like these are seriously, you know, (laughs) these guys aren't just the best. They know they're the best. And he just quietly said, "I, I pay attention. I pay attention. And I think there's something just so that it's just, it's a powerful illustration. And so it's funny because as much as we need, you know, systems and spreadsheets and diaries, and there's also just that unique fluidity in the midst of true relationship and that which happens between a person and another person. And both those people are like eternal beings. They're infinite beings. Like they're going to live for infinite an infinite amount of time. So when you think about the possibilities of relationship between God, who's infinite beyond even our comprehension, but then both ourselves as two unique souls in relationship to God, it's it's infinity squared, yeah. right? That's my theory of everything. Like, I don't know if yeah. it's going to be up there with Einstein's sort of theory <laughs> of relativity, but, yeah. but that's actually my, like, there's endless possibilities yeah. in the kingdom of God. That's the truth. 
uh, endless possibilities for life and love and relationships. So yeah, no, that's great, and I think it brings us back to kind of where we started. Yeah. saying that the, it's the paying attention that leads to wonder. Yeah, if yeah. invited to, to pay attention, whether it's to the person sitting in front of them or yeah. to the gift of creation or to yeah. the of, you know, opportunity, yeah. God's word, whatever it is, that's where they wonder. Have you read um, anything by Annie Dillard? No. No? Oh, she wrote a great book called Pilgrim at Tinker Creek. Yeah. And she's quoting uh, just this... this this um, lady from old lady from a neighbourhood who says to her one day on a walk, she says, "Seems like somebody set us down here, but nobody knows why." Mm-hmm. And I think there's that. That's that's one of the common elements of the collective experience of humanity is figuring out why we're here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the delight in doing that as followers of Jesus, and I say this carefully, is not that we. We do that with an ironclad understanding of why because we do that in faith, yeah. right? And that's the interesting part of it. We're doing it in faith. Mm. And to me, that's the most exciting part of it as well is because it, it, it actually is done with an element of, well, I don't know it all yet, mm. but I'm, I'm having my best shot at expressing what God's given me as best I know how at any given time. So, yeah, I think that's that'll do for today. Yeah, no, that's great. Thanks so, <laughs> thanks so much for your time, Mike. You've definitely given us all plenty to yeah. continue to wonder and ponder. So thanks a lot. My pleasure. Thanks, Melinda. Thanks for listening to Movement today. If you enjoyed this show, then please take a second to give us five stars, tap subscribe, and tell a friend. We are available wherever you get your pods. Season two of the movement is hosted and produced by the team at Baptist Churches of SA. We'll be back next week with a sermon from today's guest.